Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, good afternoon out there, everyone. Our guest, Jim Self, an international teacher, speaker, and leader in the field of spiritual development and an author as well, is simply stating to us, that the most important thing we can do at this moment is to learn how to master alchemy. As usual, Jim is always at the forefront, directing with the latest input to all individuals can have a smooth ride in our earthly ascension. Today we'll be asking him just what is needed for our journey in mastering alchemy. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Paula, after reading Jim Self's biography last night, I asked myself, does he really sleep? (laughs) Jim is often introduced as a teacher's teacher and a healer's healer. And since childhood, he's had the ability to recall his experiences within his sleep state. Over the last 10 years, his awareness has expanded into relationships with the archangels, ascended masters, and teachers of light. The tools and information presented in the program, Mastering Alchemy, is a co-creation of these relationships. Jim certainly does walk with a foot in both worlds. At the age of 26, he was elected to his first of two terms to the San Jose, California City Council, and later became the vice mayor. Before completing his second term, he was asked by President Jimmy Carter to be an advisor and the director of governmental operations for the Department of Energy. As an entrepreneur, he has successfully built and sold two corporations and is the co-founder and current board chairman of a third. Paula, is there more? Well, certainly there is, because last night um, and the day before, I was looking through his website, which is MasteringAlchemy.com, and there is so much on that website to help support us through these turbulent times. And he's got uh, articles, videos, webinars, and a free e-book. So um, Jim is certainly out there sharing everything he has with us. Jim, 
it's so wonderful to have you with us today. Welcome. Well, thank you very much to both of you. Happy to be here. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Oh, well, I have a question. Um, when you were a vice mayor and you were a councilman and you were advising Jimmy Carter and an entrepreneur of two companies, um, you were at the same time actually leading seminars for t- teaching healing, clairvoyance, personal energy uh, management courses, and actually developing a relationship with ascended masters and teachers of light, which whom you've created your Mastery Alchemy program. How did you do this? I mean, <laughs> working in two worlds, it just seems so impossible. Well, let me put that in perspective. At the time all of that was going on uh, in, the, in the 70s and the 80s, uh, I was really aware spiritually but didn't know what that meant. Um, and in that context, um, kind of went along and did all the things I did. I, I, when I was born, I was born kind of turned on like everybody else is. We're all turned on. All of those abilities that we talk about, spiritual abilities, clairvoyance, clairsentience, clairaudience, all of those things, everybody comes into the body with what happens is we begin to believe mom, dad, teacher, minister when they say, oh, I have a better idea for you, or stop talking to those imaginary people at the dinner table, and stop telling lies, and all of those kind of things. And the average person turns off, or at least turns away from those abilities. I didn't. And so it was strange, in a way, because I knew things, and saw things, and did things, and and was able to learn how to utilize those as skills rather than as fears. You know, I've had hundreds of people say, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was this strange light at the end of the bed and I told it to go away. And I said, well, what did the angel say? And it's like, oh, what do you mean it was an angel? So we live in fear in the system. And so in my reality, I didn't really live in that same kind of fear. It was only afterwards in the 80s when I left the position in Washington that I started to begin to understand these skills. And so in that place, building corporations and companies and using these skills and beginning to be very conscious of how they worked was what led into mastering alchemy in the 90s particularly. When you were younger and you had other, you know, when you were younger and you had friends and that kind of thing, and you still were hooked up to this, were you educating young people at that time as well? No, not at all. It, it, it was an interesting thing because I would do things and it was part of the nature of what people do. Kids do things. I had people that would, I remember a time when a, a, a kid playing on the baseball team broke his arm and that was unacceptable because he was next at bat and we were losing and so i just went and fixed his arm kids would come and say can you fix this and then through grammar school nobody talked about it but that's what happened and then going into high school it became a three-city high school and all that just got left by the side nobody remembered and nobody talked about it and that's how it was but that that all there's lots of kids, lots of us have those kind of experiences, but most have them and don't talk about them. And that's all okay, too. So, but, you know, fast forward to now, which is really what 
uh, I want to talk about, and I think it's what you want to talk about, and it's what your listeners want to talk about, is we're in a massive shift of consciousness, and that shift of consciousness is really, really exciting, and at the same time, you can't take your baggage with you on this journey. And so <laughs> much of that baggage is the thoughts and the emotions and the beliefs and the habits that we walk around with based on a third-dimensional world that actually doesn't even exist anymore, but you, that's hard to believe because most people first don't know what a third-dimensional world is, and secondly, everything looks the same this morning when I got up as it did yesterday. So that's the area which is really a fascinating thing to be talking about. Wow. Let's head into What's there. Are we in, the, are we in the fourth or the fifth dimension right now? Well, let's let's try to do, let's let me do a couple things here, and, and because let's define what a dimension is. But let me go back to what you said right at the beginning that that talking about mastering alchemy. Now, alchemy is not about changing lead to gold. Is the historical mythical aspects talk about? That's all very possible. It's very doable. Changing lead to gold is not a complicated thing to do, but Alchemy is defined by, the, by Metatron, one of the great beings, as the ability to change the frequency of thought. I'll explain that. The ability to change the harmonics of matter and the ability to apply the elements of love to the desired result. That's the definition of alchemy. So if you keep that in mind, I'll come back to that. So defining a dimension is really the third dimension is not so much about the chair you're sitting in, the window you're looking out, the house that's around you. The third dimension, let's call it a box. We'll call the fourth and fifth a box also for simplicity. And each box has a set of rules and structures that are attached to it. When the fall of consciousness came, which took over a, a million years to happen. It didn't happen overnight. It was not a war. There was no bad angel and there was no bad things that happened. But it was a fall in consciousness. When the system broke, you began to have an experience where all of the parts didn't work together any longer. So, for example, that physical, mental, emotional, spiritualness that we talk about that was all one function. Mental was one function, not a separation. And so when you begin to look at dimensions, the dimensions are accommodating the current nature that we experience ourselves. So the rules and structures of that third dimension are things like this. Third dimension is, un is conditional, there is nothing unconditional about the third dimension at all. It is completely conditional. The fourth dimensional box begins unconditional. You live in the third and fourth dimension at the same time. But in the third dimension, there is a structure that we know as time as one of the components. And people define time in the third dimension as past, present, future, and then you die. When in fact time is an application, it is not a fixed construction. But in the third dimension, it's how it works. In the third dimension, 
because of that time structure, we spend a lot of time in the past and a lot of time in the future. You spend very little time in present time in the third dimension. In the third dimension, what we do is we spend a lot of time in having experiences and then either hoping they do or hoping they don't occur in our future. I had this experience. I didn't like it. It kind of bit me in the butt. I hope it never happens to me again. So what we do is we take our past experience. We have emotions and thoughts about that past experience. And then we effectively take it in a fearful manner, stick it out in front of us, and say, oh, please, God, don't let this happen to me again. One of the components of all the dimensions is something called the law of attraction. Now, everybody says, oh, I know all about the law of attraction. And my answer is, really? So let's define the law of attraction in, if, here. And basically what the law of attraction is, it says, what you put your attention on, I, the universe who adores you, will provide for you. Period. End of discussion. The universe, however, doesn't understand English and French and Spanish and German very well. What the universe understands is how you hold your thoughts and how you hold your emotions. Now, thoughts are electrical. This is a huge piece of information. Thoughts are electrical. Emotions are magnetic. And so when you hold a thought or somebody scares you or somebody insults you or somebody says you're not okay, as we've all experienced growing up, what happens in that moment is we say, well, why did they say that? And then we attach an emotion to it. And the emotion doesn't feel very good generally. But how the mechanics of each of us work is we are told often growing up that we are not okay. Now, one of the other facts of life is you cannot be not okay. It's impossible to be not okay. But you can try hard at being not okay. It's like wearing a pair of shoes that's too small or a shirt that's a wrong color that just doesn't fit. What we do is, as we grow up with mom, dad, teacher, minister, they, let's say for the benefit of the doubt, love us. And they love us so much that they want to make sure we're okay and that we do it right and that we fit in and we're not too different from everybody else and that we're acceptable. But how they want you to be acceptable is in their image of what is acceptable. Does that make any sense? Yes. So what happens to us as we go along, we are told this is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is bad. You should do this and you should not do that. But the nature of each one of us is very different. We all want to be accepted. We all want to fit in. We all want to be liked. But in the course of us experiencing ourselves, beginning to figure ourselves out, we are often told by mom, dad, teacher, minister, 
you're not okay. You don't fit. You're stupid. You're never going to make it. You're not smart. You're not attractive. You don't do things right and you don't listen. When that message in the third dimension is delivered, it usually hits the body in a very uncomfortable way. You're not smart. You're not, you don't do it right. Nobody's ever going to like you is the message. But the message is being delivered by somebody who's having a bad lifetime at that moment and you're not fitting into their lifetime. And so it's a lot easier to scold you, yell at you, punish you. But thoughts are electrical, emotions are magnetic, and when those are held in the body, they don't feel very good. And so in a way we make a decision and we say, I don't like this and I, don't, I can't keep walking around with this. So what we do is we say, I can't deal with this anymore. And we put it over here in a little box called denial. And we basically smile and say, okay, I can't do that anymore. It's gone. But thoughts don't just go poof into the air and are gone. And so we try to deny I'm not okay, and we don't really do a very good job of it. So we do the next thing. We simply say, I'm going to take this box of denial and I'm going to put it back here behind me in my backpack on the shelf or whatever. And I'm going to make a deal. If you stay over here in unconsciousness and you don't come out to bite me in the butt again, I will never go anywhere near you again. You make a deal with it. And you put it back there and it goes into unconsciousness. You forget. But do you really forget? No. I'm not okay is a nagging feeling in each one of us. So to come back to the law of attraction in the third dimension, the law of attraction says, what you hold your attention on, I will provide for you. Am I starting to make any sense? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately. And so what we do is we bury all of the I'm not okays, but we don't like being not okay. And so... We hold on to this. In fact, we say, don't ever come out so nobody will see it, and I'll help you make sure it doesn't come out again. And so we hold a lot of attention unconsciously on somebody else's gift to us that was never true. You see, you can't be not okay. So what we do, and this is where it gets so challenging, is, is – I say to you, I don't like you and I don't ever want to see you again, and I walk away. And you're holding on to this. And what we do naturally is we say, what did I do wrong? Why am I not okay? And the minute you start to try to figure out somebody else's opinion in your energy field, you never come up with a good answer. But you sit in that spin, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. And then this is where it gets challenging, is because thoughts are electrical and emotions are magnetic. When you start winding that spin, you begin to create more of an attention point in what you hold your attention on. And the, university wake, the universe wakes up the next day and says, Jim, how are you doing? And I say, well, I'm not okay. And the universe says, damn, that's great. You must love this game. I'll give you another version of not okay to play in today and tomorrow 
and tomorrow and the next day until you figure out you can't be not okay. Well, I'm going to say that intellectually, I can understand that. And I'm sure that a lot of most people can, but then you fall back into your old habit. Exactly. Of not being. Exactly. So So you you want to know how to step out of it? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Very good. All right. See, so what happens is that third dimensional box, it has a little present time component in it, but that present time really only experience is something called reactionary present time. What it means is it says, I don't want to be any near, anywhere near all of my not okays, and I want to make sure they don't bite me in the butt. So I'm going to put them out here in front of me in the future, and I'm going to put big red flags on them. Danger, Will Robinson. Don't come anywhere near me. And, but what happens is the universe understands your new attention point. It doesn't recognize between what you like and what you don't like because the emotion is what is drawn to the thought. And so when I have a whole lot of emotion in reaction or in resentment or in not wanting it, it's really the same kind of a vibrational frequency of thought that holds, I love this. And so the universe looks at the frequency and basically gives you what you are asking for. But it's unconscious. And so you wonder when you step in tomorrow and tomorrow presents you with what you didn't want to happen again, you, you go into an immediate present time state, third dimension of reaction. In the third dimension, there is no choice. There's only reaction. But here's how you step out of that. Because you know what choice is, and you also know what present time is. And so when you step into the fourth dimension, the fourth dimension only has one construction of time, present time, right now. And in right now, you have another ability. You have the ability to choose a different outcome. Also in the fourth dimension, there's an odd word called paradox. And paradox simply means what was true a moment ago may not be true any longer, and what was false may also not be false any longer. In present time, you can look at your past experience and realize you can do something differently. So let me give you an example. You say to me, you say to somebody, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm doing really good. Well, somehow their words and their energy and I'm doing really good don't quite match. And you say, well, what's going on? And the person says, well, I'm really sad my husband wife died 20 years ago. And you say, well, that's too bad. How was lunch yesterday, you say? And they say, oh, it was really great. I had a wonderful lunch. Well, what just changed? What changed is when they put their attention on past experiences, they draw an emotion to themselves of that past experience. Mm-hmm. What, you, what you know is a truth in the game that we play is emotions are only experienced in the present moment. You can't experience an emotion in the past or in the future. 
only in the present. So here's where you begin to have an opportunity to make an adjustment is, yes, my husband wife died 20 years ago, and that was a present time moment then. But right now, that event is simply history or information. If I choose to attach an emotion such as sadness to my thought of my husband wife dying 20 years ago, that's a choice, not a reaction that you do in present time. If you can simply begin to allow your past to be the past and begin to say, how am I doing right now? You'll find that sadness doesn't exist in your space right now. You have to pull a thought from the past into the present moment to have those experiences. Does that make any sense? Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so beginning to make this transition is really very interesting. So when I give lectures, particularly in the past five, six, seven years, I would say to a group of people, let me just ask you three questions. How many of you notice time is going faster? And people would groan and raise their hand. How many of you notice you have more on your plate today than you did yesterday? And people would groan and raise their hand. And then I asked, how many of you notice you're losing your memory? And people would raise their hand. Kids would raise their hand. Adults would raise their hands. This level of where you're losing your memory is about the shift in consciousness, not about Alzheimer's or dementia, whatever age you're at. What's happening is the universe knows that many of those events that have happened in your past were simply about your learning process. And many of the events had nothing to do with you at all. You just passed through them. And, and it's in those events, it's like, have you ever told a joke that you thought was funny and then all of a sudden everybody's laughing at you for telling a stupid joke rather than telling, doing something funny. And what happens at that moment, you make a decision, I'm never going to tell a joke again. And we've done that all through our lives, made these decisions based on a response that really had nothing to do with us. How many times have you heard people go back and talk about a past events and people go, it didn't happen that way. I guarantee you, if you and I could go walk around many of your secrets and many of your fears and many of your beliefs about how bad it was, I guarantee you, 100%, by the time we walked around it one time, the event did not happen like you think it happened. And so you can't take your baggage with you on this journey. The universe is very much on your side. So why you're losing your memories is many of those memories never happened the way you think and the outcome you chose to believe never was necessary because the event didn't happen that way. And many of those events had nothing to do with you anyway. So as you get happy now in the game, the universe, has, the molecules get further apart when you're happy versus depressed and the ability to have memories, emotions, and thoughts that have nothing to do with you, they basically disappear from your awareness. You're beginning to move towards being okay 100% of the time. 
Well, a lot of people are being shook down at this point. <laughs> There's a shakedown. And people are really rattling. They're, all these emotions, like you say, they're coming up and all kinds of strange things. So maybe this is, uh, like you say, it's the shift and bringing a new, a new vision, a new hope, and a new beginning if they'll just let it, let it be. This shift of consciousness is extraordinary. It and is. it's all about well-being. The challenge is that you have to let go of your baggage. Mm -hmm. And the universe is on your side. But what happens to the average person is, I didn't like it the first time. I don't want to ever run into those thoughts and emotions again. That's why you go to therapy and you, you, the therapist says, well, let's get into your emotions. And you go, no, thank you. I didn't like it the first time. <laughs> In this case, exactly. though, the process of that is your belief that you have to run those through your emotional body to clear them out of your system. That is inaccurate. When you begin to start to understand tools and applications that you have as a conscious being very available to you, when you begin to create a reference point that allows you to not be engaged with those things you didn't like the first time, and you become simply conscious to choose. You make a decision, I don't like the way my life is structured, and I want to have a fifth dimensional experience, which is co-creation and cooperation, appreciation, gratitude, respect, dignity, integrity, kindness, gratefulness etc., etc. And in the fifth dimensional box, words like safety and trust don't even exist because in the fifth dimension there is nothing that is unsafe and there is nothing to distrust. This fifth dimensional box is being made very, very available right now. But you can't take your baggage with you on that journey. And so... In this space where we're all playing, there have been a number of events that have occurred. For example, at that point in time called 11-11-11, a, a massive shift occurred in that consciousness. At that point, something that was promised occurred. And what was promised was that nature of the Christed aspect of each one of us was returned to your heart. Every human being and the planet itself created or was a structure was activated that was the reference to the returning of that Christed energy. Now, let me be really clear. It's not about a religion, and even though it has a great amount to do with the man, it's not about that man called Yeshua or Jesus. So that happened. Then on 12-12 and on 12-21, two another events occurred. One is that third dimensional box that holds those rules and allows for words like anger, rage, judgment, resentment, third dimensional, disconnected, separated structures. The door on the third dimension was closed. And at that point in time, you no longer access that third dimension. However, you have habits and beliefs and thoughts and concepts 
that simply say, what was yesterday is going to be tomorrow. But the magnetism of the third dimension doesn't exist. So the ability to begin to step into a new consciousness, 1221, was a new structure was made available to begin to experience yourself. It was like the first light coming over the top of the mountain. And that light is going to expand, and you're in the transitionary period. And what makes this so challenging right now is can't take your baggage with you. So when you look at the external world, it is also changing, just like your internal world. And the external world cannot long, no longer have those third-dimensional structures of greed, domination, slavery, imbalances, inequities, better than, lesser than. Those no longer can continue. And so you're watching today, and actually literally today, you are watching the world change. That lunar eclipse on the 15th of the month of April, significant. What comes up in the planetary alignments in 20, on April 2022, very significant. What is in pro process of happening to the world financial system, the world's governances, and the world's geophysical weathers and earth, significant. You've had nine eight-point earthquakes in the last 30 days. You've had massive weather changes in the last six months. And you are about to experience some very significant changes in other aspects of the earth. There's nothing bad about all that. It's simply the transition. You can't take your baggage with you. Hmm. <clears throat> well, I was well, going to say, sometimes people are really getting stuck in that. I, you know, we see them crying all, all where, where they are with this. Is that part of releasing um, some of this? Jim? Yes, very much so. See, what happens when you don't have tools or you don't have a frame of reference, let's call it that to start with, and I'll give you a frame of reference that allows you to step out of all of this game. But it, there is some assembly required. It's not a gift. There's work involved. You, you, you need to engage in this individually. But that, that release that many people are going through is how the thoughts and the emotions that are hidden in the backpack on the back shelf, they're all leaving. It's who you're not. You can't be who you're not. And so let me give you some suggestions or at least a consideration. One of the things that happens is if I said to you, do you know the difference between happy and depression? The answer is yes. I've mm -hmm. experienced both. And if you had to choose one or the other, which one would you choose? The answer uh, is clear. Okay, no, okay. not even a contest, right? <laughs> so, but what happens is because we are so intellectual, and many people don't like the feelings that they've learned to experience growing up, they've turned off their feelings or they don't pay attention to the feelings, and they don't know how to let go of the emotions. So, in order to not, we're not going to deny those, we're going to simply say they exist but I'm going to view them from a different platform. So a minute ago I said you go to the therapist and the therapist says, let's run all that stuff, let's remember it and take it out through the emotional body. And no thank you, I didn't like it. So if you could create a different state of being, would that be useful? And the state of being is 
is a combination of thoughts and emotions. I'm going to be very simple. So if I said to you, and I've said this to many people, I've said, do you know what happy feels like? And people go, oh, yeah, I know what happy feels like. And they immediately put their attention on the thought happy, and they immediately tie an emotion to it. And they Mm -hmm. smile and they get happy. But if I said to you, do you know what certain is? Do you know what certain, have you ever been certain? People will say, oh yeah, I've been certain. Well, do you know what certain feels like? Oh yeah, I know what certain feels like. See, the answer is an intellectual answer, not an emotional answer. So if I said to you, sit down in your chair, take a breath, close your eyes, and would you feel certain? When a person is given that instruction, they move from the mental body into the physical body or into the emotional body. Their physicalness changes. They sit up, their head goes up, their shoulders go back. They take a deep breath and they say, yes, I know what certain feels like. And so if I held you there, and this is an exercise, a free exercise on the MasteringAlchemy.com site. We give you a lot of tools like this. So if I said, okay, you're certain, now do you know what, can you shift your attention to capable? And what they do is they feel capable. And then if I said shift your attention to senior, not as in old, but as in this is who I am, all of a sudden you begin to create a relationship between words and emotions, thoughts and emotions, And if you went one step further, just taking those three words, and you created in your mind a triangle, because physicalness requires geometry, and you just create in your mind a triangle, and one word is certain, one leg of the triangle is capable, and one leg is senior. And put it on, put it on like a hat, or a platform you stand on, or a sense of putting a coat on that's certain, capable, and senior. You notice your body's already changing just by talking about it? Mm-hmm. And you notice also you stop breathing? When people start to put their attention in present time and hold it on a focus that they don't draw into the motion, the, the breathing stops. It's just what happens. So if you can begin to have that sense of those three words and then relax into your chair and breathe, and then begin to look at, from that place in present time, a thought on your past, you begin to see your thought in the past in a very different venue. And you realize, gee, I don't even need to keep that thought and that emotion. What somebody thought of me in third grade doesn't really have that much bearing on me anymore. In that simple transaction in your brain, You just let go of that piece of baggage because you brought it into present time, looked at it in present time in a simple way, and in your present time space, you as the soul being beginning to know yourself simply chose that has no relevance to me. And it was was disintegrated, moved away, dissolved. Instantaneously, you just changed the frequency of thought, change the harmonic 
of matter, that thought form that didn't feel good, just got much lighter and you basically loved yourself creating a different result. And hmm. as you're changing yourself, you're changing the ones around you. You're changing the ones around you. And the reason is it takes two to play a game, and when you stop playing the old game, they no longer have a partner to play with in that context of the old game. Yeah. So, And you begin to live in the heart, and you begin to know yourself, which is okay, because you can't be not okay unless you do it with a lot of effort and a lot of strain and a lot of constipation where you just don't like what you're doing. So the question is, why are you doing it? Because I don't know how to get out of it is the answer. Well, it's like you stop playing whatever games are around you and you really pay attention to to your to your breathing pattern. <laughs> to you to yourself. To yourself, yeah. And you know what? I can remember doing that even when I was younger with my parents. So I can look back and go, this is your idea. This is not mine. <laughs> exactly. But what <laughs> happens is, is, is they're the big ones and you're the little ones. They're the teacher. They're the minister. They're the mom and dad. And so yeah. you basically do what you're told. And, and all along you go, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. Yeah. And, but then you basically make it a new habit. And then we forget habits. We just go on automatic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> let, let me give you another tool that is, is so simple and is absolutely extraordinarily powerful. What happens is most of the thoughts that you think and most of the emotions that run through your body are not yours. Now, that's a preposterous statement to a person that doesn't have a definition of space. And now what I mean by that is you have an energy field around you that we call the aura. Once upon a time, that aura was contained in a geometric shape called an octahedron, but you forgot that in the fall of consciousness. Now there is no definition to your aura other than it's an electromagnetic field that is bound to the body. But when you begin to take awareness of that aura and you do one specific thing, you start to define where you start and where you stop. Now, that's an inaccurate statement because you don't start and stop anywhere. But at the edge of the aura, if you simply take your arm and stick it straight out in front of you and turn your palm towards you, that's where the aura starts and stops approximately plus or minus a couple of inches depending on whether you are a future leaning person or a past leaning person but just for simplicity that's where it starts and stops it also goes all the way around you so if you were to stand up hold your arm out and spin around a circle you just created a circle that defines the edge of your space plus or minus but here's the difference you don't know whose emotions are you are you experiencing. How many times have you ever walked into a room happy and within five minutes because other people weren't happy, you weren't happy. If you create a tool, I'm going to use an example of a rose because it has a lot of different meanings. But if you were basically with your palm facing forward 
and you were to take a mental image picture of a rose and put it right where your palm is and then do the following. Take a breath and bring your attention to your side of the rose. It's as if you get into the center of your head and you exist from your heart to that rose. That's you. And everything on the other side of that rose is Shakespeare's theater to entertain you. If you can hold <laughs> that, that concept and bring your attention to your side of your rose and walk around like that, you're going to find absolutely remarkable things. Most of the things you're engaged with is noise. has very little to do with you and your well-being. And the conversations that you have, to a great extent, are noise. They just are filling time and space. When you get into the center of your head, you get on your side of the rose, you get grounded. Grounded is something that people think they know, but it's even much simpler than that. And you begin to observe, choose, and then respond or act. That simple rose changes the reality of your life very significantly. Yeah. Absolutely. Make any sense? Beautiful. Yes. If you can take that and then begin to feel, in using three words, certain, capable, senior, or um, fill in your own blank, you know, <laughs> basically you make a decision. Today I'm going to walk around feeling capable on my side of the rose and I'm going to observe the theater. Your life changes dramatically. One of the reasons is in that state of being, the universe understands that you simply, a lot of those things that are on the back shelf have no value any longer, and they're cleared away because you now are beginning to know yourself, like yourself, be pleased with yourself. And in that state of being, the baggage disappears very quickly. Yeah. And then you become an observer. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jim, you know, sometimes I've um, actually told people, act as if you're God and you just, you look over the drama. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and then they go, what? <laughs> yeah. I said, you take a different perspective. You look over and and see what's really happening and you take yourself to look in a different position. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. See, this, this, this frame of reference we're talking about is absolutely essential going forward because the world externally is about to change in very large, dramatic ways. Your, your world is about to change. And what happens is your internal world is changing also. You can't take your baggage with you. And the whole purpose is not to create... This, this uncomfortable world. The un world is uncomfortable. It's out of balance. It doesn't function in well-being. Everything about where you're going is about well-being. And the all 7 billion people have to go. Some are asleep. What makes it important for this kind of conversation from my point of view and the people who are listening to this is you are the leaders. You're the ones who are simply waking up even though you may think you are or aren't to some extent, you're way ahead of the game just to be able to listen to this conversation. But you're no better than anybody. 
but you're waking up. And part of your path is waking up and turning to the one behind you and gently nudging them and say, it's time to wake up. And they will do the same to others. But this is happening very rapidly. This is not a shift that's coming. We've been preparing for this for five, six, seven years. As of today, you are in a very significant shift in your external and your internal world. As of today, that's not meant to be metaphorical. You are about to see massive shifts of change in your external world. If you can begin to find these platforms, the rows and numbers of other tools on MasteringAlchemy.com, there's eight hours of free tools. There's, I can't even tell you how many lectures, free lectures. Every two weeks we have a free lecture that all you have to do is sign up for and go on. Buy nothing. Our whole model is about giving you a substantive information. But if you really want information, there's three courses And those courses are what we're really all about. How do you turn that level of awareness you have right now into a state of being where you actually activate and begin to live in that light body? For the most part, that light body is an intellectual concept that is very far off other than some fantasy in most people's space. Some assembly required, remerging the mental and the emotional body, beginning to rewire and turn the brain on, actually turn it on, it's wired perfectly, beginning to start to have access to these different layers of who you are, creating that unified field, stepping into it, beginning to have conversations like I have every night in my sleep space with my friends, which are Metatron and Michael and Uriel and on and on and on, that are basically your friends. The difference is I remember when I go to sleep and I come back. Most do not. But is it available? Absolutely. I get chills all over. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what's available. It's not a fantasy. It's not a I wish. But let me be really clear. It's not a free ride. It is it is as simple as saying, there's the door, there's the doorknob, turn the doorknob to the left. And I cannot tell you how many people go, wow, this is really cool, but I don't have time to do that. Well, that's the answer. Oh, put up your rose. Figure out that grounding has two components to it, an electrical component and a magnetic component. That when you get into the center of your head, you begin to get in present time. You begin to live in your body rather than living outside of it all the time. The reason you live outside is I have a whole lot of baggage that says I'm not okay. I don't like being in my body because that's where I store all the uncomfortable stuff. If you can clean out the uncomfortable stuff with some very simple tools that are your birthright, you know these things. It's not about learning. It's about remembering, rebuilding, rewiring, reconnecting yourself to the God that you already are. Mm-hmm. I, I, Jim, I see a lot of people being really impatient right now. It's <clears throat> so I guess you know, just it's hard to get them to stop. <laughs> well, we're all in motion, and yeah. the, the 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 shift is. I mean, it's, I'm literally talking about today and the next week and a half, next month. You're going to see massive things changing. What happened is people are not prepared. 
And the reason that we teach tools is you're not going to like this shift from the point of looking at it from a third dimensional point of view of reactionary time. When you can simply step back and let the fires around you burn and start to take a breath and then choose what you engage with rather than shoot, ready, aim, you start to find your ability to know yourself. But in the panic and in the reactionary, oh my God, oh my God, I guarantee you, you're going to be engaged in the movement of that energy that you're wanting to be away from. You will Mm -hmm. attract to you what you put your attention on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I see people. Go ahead, Paula. I said I often have heard the expression, um, be careful about what you worry for. <laughs> worry about yeah, because that's what's going to happen. See, if you put it in this context of the law of attraction, not as some cute statement, you know, or some movie that you once saw, you know, Abraham, Esther Hicks has been since 1990 teaching the law of attraction. 24 years she's been teaching this, and she's still teaching it. And people go, oh, I get it, I get it. No, you don't, because it's a personal choice in the moment of what you put your attention on. When you're in that third-dimensional reactionary state, worrying about the past, hoping it's not going to be your future, there's no management, there's no commanding of your presence It's simply a set of reactions. And those that are, you know, I'm not not here selling Mastering Alchemy at all. I'm just simply telling you the structure of what every single individual is going to go through in order to find that light body and their own personal ascension. There will be variations along the way, which are kind of the sideshows that are really exciting. But many of those sideshows are simple distractions. And so when you begin to manage your space and observe, choose, and act, rather than ready, shoot, aim, you're going to find a a state of calmness that you really have never known, and it's manageable, and it's something that you begin to build from. It's literally the difference from looking down to looking up. And when you look up, there's things that you have never imagined that are very much available to you. Well, I would we say have. that you you are on our show at the most perfect time ever because yeah, of all these shifts. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Well, we have a new 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 screen before us, which is you know amazing, and we're and we and we're right in the middle of it. <laughs> we're lucky. This is this is so powerful. It, it's and, even Paul. It's even bigger than lucky. It's not lucky because you all are the creators. So you're not falling into something accidentally. I'm talking to everybody listening. You're right where you're supposed to be, and it's now time to step into this space and become commanding of your presence in the most wonderful way. You know, it's all about you, and, and it's about you personally in your own ascensions, and it's about you personally in that ascension being able to get into that sacred heart and just radiate this this thing called love. But what we call love in third dimension is a, is a very tiny little emotion. This level of love is powerful and commanding and gracious and 
and it allows for creation and opportunity in a completely uh, magnificent way, you becoming the creator and knowing the creator. Well, actually, we can be teach by example. You will. Yeah, yeah. That's the position. It's not about fixing anybody. You don't fix anybody from that sacred heart. You just simply radiate this vibrance of living light and love and command and compassion. And There's no empathy. There's no sympathy. And you don't go around fixing people because that's their path. You lay things before them to choose and then allow them not to choose and still smile. Jim, let us uh, let people know that we're talking uh, here with uh, Jim Self, and <clears throat> excuse me, his website is MasteringAlchemy.com. He has many, many, many um, free aspects on his website: that webinars, teleclasses, eBooks, um, so that if you love to listen to this program, you can go and you can check out further more tools to support you it's um you know jim you you are such a spark you you are so brilliant and we are so thankful that we've had you with us um is there anything that we haven't talked about that that you want to um you know lay forward on here well, let's see, in 30 seconds, I'll tell you how to find God. <laughs> okay. No, 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 this is really very, very simple. It's, it is, it's really one step at a time, and you can't fail at this process. It's impossible to be not okay. But when you hold your attention on not okay, that's what you get. And that's what this shift is all about, and it's changing, and, it's, and there's some really remarkable opportunities. So Mastering Alchemy, plenty, plenty of free stuff. If you're interested in doing the work, be interested in doing the work. I'm really not wanting people to sign up that simply are wannabes. This is not about wannabe. This is about choosing to be masterful and creative and taking charge of yourself. That's the game that we're now all playing as you move into this ascension state. Hmm. We can choose to be there, is what you're saying. So That's right. It's all your choice. So really yeah. wonderful. Very powerful. Well, Such a wealth of information, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Jim, thank you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Anytime. Uh, this, this is my job. I love this job. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we enjoyed playing your sandbox today, so <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful. God bless and blessings. Blessings to you all. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You're listening to 91.5 Presents. We say Yugi Cupertino embracing.